So we're going to begin with this idea of encouraging one another. And we're going to do it a couple ways. And if I don't finish today, we'll go on to next week because it's kind of two parts. The first is encouragement, first discovering how God has encouraged us through his word, and then how we can encourage one another. Because there are some practical steps that will allow us to love each other in practical ways. How do we do that? So let's take a look at some things that we have to start with if we're going to encourage one another. First, the Holy Spirit started the work. This is a church that deals with the message of grace. And we look through all of Scripture through the lens of the finished work of the covenant, new covenant, finished work of the cross. This is a church that focuses on grace and identity in Christ that we work and live from who we already are. Under a legalistic church, and what I used to teach was, oh, the Bible says encourage one another, so you must encourage one another. So it was more of, I didn't do that angrily, but it's the idea of you must and putting it on to people and creating a whole new set of rules. Well, if you've ever had kids, you know what rules sometimes do. You know, you say don't, and they have to. So they just have to, you put wet paint, don't touch, they've got to prove it, make sure it's, what is it? So that's kind of what the law does. It actually incites sin in many ways. Uh, I remember a story of a hotel that was really close to the ocean edge, and uh, they had signs across all the balconies, do not fish from this balcony because uh, people would take uh, uh, fishing rods, put a lot of heavy weights on, and just cast really far from their balconies. But sometimes their weight wasn't strong enough, or their, their line wasn't long enough, so come back, swing, and poof, crash the uh, uh, window of the restaurant on the main floor. And so it would break. They removed the signs, and the problem went away. So it's funny how that works. So let's take a look at how we have been encouraged. Love is the most important thing we need to remember. And not just, you know, the, uh, the love is everything kind of model or what's love got to do with Tina Turner. None of that stuff. I'm talking about the real meaning of love. We say we're supposed to love one another. And when we ask the question, does God love us? We sometimes say, well, of course he loves us. It's his job. He's supposed to love us. It's just written there. I got that. It doesn't mean a whole lot to me until you discover what the word love really means. Remember the Greeks had four different words for love. It was phileo, which is a friendship love, storge, which is a parental love, eros, we get the word erotic from, and then agape. Agape literally means other-centered. I wonder if I have it up there. Yes. Agape means other-centered. It's not self-seeking. So when we see the First Corinthians text that says love is patient, love is kind, and all that stuff, it's not the to-do list for couples. It is the get-to because of who already lives in you. It's supposed to be the natural overflowing. It is the fruit of God in you. That's what those things are. So if we make it you, the to-do list, then what are you going to be focusing on? The to-do list and not on Jesus. Big difference. The unconditional love of God for all people, love as revealed in Jesus, which is selfless and a model for everyone. When we begin with agape, when we begin with love, and understand that we are first to believe we are loved, and only then can we love others. It's not to be a duty. It is a natural overflow of the power of the life of Christ in us. So this is how God encourages us, by reminding us of the love that is already in us. Next, Nehemiah 8.10. 
Remember this old, old song? You know, the joy of the Lord is my strength. How many of you know that one? All three of you. All right. (laughs) This song I never got until a couple years ago. Because it was during a time of great difficulty. And it was probably 12 years ago for me when I had a pretty dark time of wrestling with God. I said, God, what are you doing? Everything seems to be crashing around me. I can't control anything. And it was really, really tough. And um, uh, I remember my wife saying to me, uh, uh, Mike, is that the grace walk? Are you, that, what you're acting like does not look like what you teach. Mm-hmm. Fine, sure, rub that in. Really needed that today. And then I was forced to think about it and realize, no, wait a minute. It's time to reflect on the goodness of God in me already. And when I discovered my true identity again and was reminded and, and put away the fears, and the fears came by putting faith in Christ. And it wasn't my doing, it was his faith in me, waking up and beginning to overshadow the fears that were in me. And then I found joy. And that joy became a strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So when we are weak, what a great idea to start thinking through your wonderful riches in Christ and go through that list and realize, oh my goodness, I have so much going for me. I've got the whole kingdom of God living in me going for me. What am I afraid of? What shall I fear? Galatians 5.1, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. This is a powerful verse reminding us, the scripture is encouraging you, don't go back to the old legalistic ways of functioning under law. And law meaning, if I'm good, God will bless me. If I'm bad, he'll curse me. That's an old covenant mindset. You're under the new covenant now, and he loves you and blesses you because you're his. Period. You can't change God's opinion of you through your behavior. What happens instead is your own belief changes with your behavior. Not God's belief of you. But if you don't believe he's for you, loving you, forgiving you, that you're holy, that you're righteous already, then you'll start to act like somebody who you aren't. And then this blindness comes in, this darkness, and you start acting out these behaviors that are not uh, uh, in accordance with who you really are. It's pretty powerful. So don't go back to the old legalistic ways. Don't go back to the heavy rules that say, you've got to do these things in order to be accepted by God. Powerful picture. You're free. And that's what the book of Galatians is about. It's a wonderful, wonderful book. Next, James 1, verses 2 and 3. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. This idea of you know, he's assuming something. He's assuming they know. It's funny how we forget. We've been told many times, trials and tribulations will come. They'll come in many forms. They can come as horrific tragedies. They can come as, you know, traffic is stopped. You know, you're, you're late for work. Perspective. Like, really? Consider pure joy. This is kind of pointing you back to the joy of the Lord when you're going through difficulties. This is not easy to do. And sometimes this is where you need friends to be the encouragement for you. Who can you count on that will call you, text you, and just kind of throw a word of encouragement your way when you need it? Or somebody that's safe to express, here, I'm really hurting in this area, or I'm struggling with this. And they're safe enough that they love you anyway, no matter what the trouble is. It's very, very powerful. Be encouraged. Next, 
John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. What does this as the world gives possibly mean? My hunch, one idea, not the idea, but one idea is, in our world, many give to get. There's conditions. I'm going to give you, assuming that if I ever need something, it's coming back to me. You know? Look how generous I've been. And the manipulation that goes with generosity, because you're trying to get a favor. Just look at our politicians. <laughs> Same kind of thing. Even in certain friendships, you know, there's some people that could be manipulating just by appearing generous for the purpose of winning a vote somewhere in a council or in a committee or a club. The world is very different. Our Heavenly Father gives peace, not just any peace, His peace. And His peace will guard your hearts. It's His peace, not yours. You can't even muster this up. I've, I pray for a lot of families, especially when I'm involved with a funeral family. And I pray that the peace of Christ will be so real that they cannot mistake it for anything else but Jesus. That's who needs it right now. Those that are struggling, they need to feel the peace. You have to feel it. It's not easy. And sometimes it comes to be a person. Somebody just sitting beside you, putting their arm around you, not saying a word, no words needed, just love and care at the right time. He says he's going to give peace with you and in you. Does not give as the world does. Let your hearts, uh, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. This is a number one thing. We covered this a couple weeks ago. Talked about fear and being troubled. This world will keep pounding. There are a lot of fears. Look at Fort McMurray. They saw that hit and blindside them. They're going through a lot of stuff. And what do we do? We just get to come and enjoy. Someday, you know, each one will go through stuff a different way. Sometimes as a whole group. Don't be troubled. Don't be in fear. Fear is the opposite of faith. And you can't even muster up your own faith. Okay? You can't be saying, okay, I, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. If I say it enough times, they'll come. I believe, I believe. No. He is your belief. And that belief is an internal knowing something is true. And that can only come from Christ. You can't muster that one up. Trust in the Lord with part of your heart. Never rely on what you think you know. Remember the Lord in everything you do, and He will show you the right path. <laughs> Sometimes we have categories that we say, okay, I'm going to trust the Lord with that compartment because I've got all these other ones covered. I got it, Lord, got it, and I'll call on you when I need you for these. But I got these. You know, the small stuff. And I can just hear God say, it's all small stuff. <laughs> really, if you think it through. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. This is your desires, the things he places in you. Trust him with all that. Never rely on what you think you know, which means you need some wisdom and advice from others as well. Remember the Lord in everything you do, and he will show you the right path. And sometimes, when we come to a fork in the road, we don't know which way to go. We just need to decide. Even if we don't feel God has given us a clear direction. Choose. Trusting that he is the one allowing you to choose the right way that he wants you to go. It's okay. It's scary. But if we had it all figured out, if we weren't such control freaks, you know, then 
be a little easier. Just give it up. Living in dependence is not easy. Living in dependence is very hard because we like to be in control of everything that goes on. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. I've overcome the world. Listen to this. That in me you may have peace. Where is peace? In Christ. Here's the trick. Where is Christ? In you. We're going to cover that verse in a little bit. I used to believe that Christ was out there and that, uh, sure, he came into my heart somehow. I don't know, this little little pocket. You know, there's, a, there's a compartment where Jesus gets to go into because it's the only spot that fits him. <laughs> and so when I prayed, Jesus came into my heart. A transaction happened. He was out and came in. But there's nothing in Scripture anywhere that says that. At all. You won't find it. That sinner's prayer does not exist. Instead, when we believe something happens in us, we wake up to the reality of what he has already done and where he already is. I was uh, blown away this morning going through some uh, scriptures in Thessalonians. It's like, oh, I have no time to teach this this morning. It's so exciting. But uh, uh, I'm going to come back to that at some point. It's just the, the reminder. In Romans 5, if you, if you need some real encouragement, Romans 5 and 6, go home and read it just for fun and watch the Holy Spirit excite you of what he has already done and how he has made you right, has, how he has encouraged you. Because in this world, it seems like, hang on, it looks like the devil's winning. How come the devil gets to control so much? If Jesus has overcome the world, then what's going on in this world? Look at all the bad stuff the devil's doing. Well, maybe you need to rethink this devil part. Well, maybe we give him way hey, hey, too much credit. The devil made me do it. Really? Do you not know about the power of indwelling sin? Do you not know about our world and how nature works too? Like... People are blaming God for all the volcanoes and the, and the famines and the flooding and the tsunamis. They're blaming God. And then you got these Yahoo fundamentalists who are saying, there, there's God's judgment on the... You know, that's, that's really God. Mm-hmm. That's really God, isn't it? Isn't this the God you believe in? He's out there to destroy and, and you know, put judgment on everybody. That is not encouraging. Well, you got to speak truth. It's all about encouragement. Hang on. The truth is, God is love. And He has done everything to make us right. Our job now is to proclaim the goodness of God to this world. To declare what He has done, not what He's going to do. He's already done everything. We're good. We're clean. And when you believe it, your whole life changes. Radically. Many times I pleaded with the Lord to take the pain away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. I remember Paul Anderson Walsh called it God's ridiculous agape captivating everyone. God's ridiculous agape captivating everyone. I love that. Grace. There's so many definitions out there. My favorite definition is Jesus. He is grace. Personified. He is the epitome of grace unconditional, unmerited. And if the church can get beyond and actually believe the word unconditional, because they'll say unconditional, but then they put conditions on his love and acceptance of who comes in the door. Hang on. Mm -mm. 
unconditional means unconditional. If he loves you and I unconditionally, he loves the world unconditionally. So when we're in trouble, like Paul, okay, the Apostle Paul, we'd say he's pretty big, right? He's one of the big leaders, the ones we look up to, and, you know, if he can do it, we can do it, right? He's, he's like one of the top rungs, just built under Jesus. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Like, we, we rank leaders. We rank John Baptist, we got Peter, who's, you know, we always think he's a little lower than Paul because Paul had to scold him, so he must be lower. You know, like, it's dumb how we compare. What if I were to tell you that you and I are exactly the same as the Apostle Paul? We are just as accepted. Oh, wait a minute. Who's above Paul? Jesus, you and I are just as accepted by the Father as Jesus. Equal worth, equal value. You are not Jesus, okay? Got it. Neither am I. But we're one with him. And his oneness makes us who we are. That is our identity. That gives us the encouragement to know we are acceptable, that he loves us. He'll hear us when our troubles come. And here's Paul, the guy who was so close, begging for release from a problem. And God doesn't do it. What's with that? That's not fair. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Stop there for a minute. I know we sing some songs, Lord, make me stronger, make me stronger. You know, uh, we've got to be strong for the Lord. Where does it say that? doesn't. It says be strong in the Lord. There's a big difference. But we don't have to be strong for the Lord. Because the strength of the Lord comes from weakness, where we're relying on Him and being dependent. Your strength is weakness. We don't have to become stronger. We need to become weaker, more dependent. Not as we're walking, I don't know what the Lord wants. You know, I'm just going to be a pushover and let everybody walk all over me. No, we're talking about the wisdom and strength of Christ living in you, living that out and walking total dependence. We're not talking about self-strength. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Ooh. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Folks, if you're walking through a dark time, it is in this time you will find strength. You may not look for it any other time. Why would you need to look for Christ when things are going great? When the money's rolling in, the cars are not needing repair, and the house is great, you don't need to have faith and trust. When all your relationships are excellent and perfect and you feel good and you have perfect health, no need to rely. It's funny how that works. Even in that strength, even in that bounty, when things are fantastic, rejoice with those who rejoice. Cry with those who cry. We will go through ups and downs in life. Don't compare yourself. This is your personal journey. Now, somebody may take this the wrong way, and I've heard this taken the wrong way many times. You know, they say, oh, I'm being persecuted. You know, how do you mean? Well, you know, I'm being, I'm being persecuted by people because, they, because I'm a Christian, and I'm, I have this sign up of everything I'm against. And, oh, I'm being persecuted. Oh, yes, yes, they're, I'm getting punched out for Jesus because I'm carrying this sign. And usually it's a lack of love sign. Those signs that protest, 
and list everything we're against is not the agape flowing through you. It's hate that comes from not knowing who you are. It comes from darkness. It comes from ignorance. Stand up for what you do believe in. Speak the love you believe. Not speak out with the, such negative hate that we see in our newspapers and our media in the last couple of years. We need to be known as people who love. Now that's going to be hard because we have standards. <laughs> well, maybe you need to rethink your standards. Maybe you need to look at Jesus, see how he lived and loved and who he hung out with and realize that everybody has access to this communion table. Everybody. Let the love of God transform people. It begins with you. First, believing you're loved, and it flows out in love. When you're weak, then you're strong. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. Do you know what this does? This is a visible evidence of somebody abiding in Christ. You don't have to declare it. You don't have to post on Facebook, look, look at the power flowing through me. Look at the love that I'm showing for Jesus. Or here's my self-control thing of the week. Or here's my humility moment of the week. I got to broadcast it. No. This is what love looks like. You will have the power of Christ coming through you. And it may look differently. It may look like serving somebody who needs to be served by giving a 20 or a 5 or a 20 to the guy at the traffic light with a little sign. Who knows what it looks like? It's for you at the moment. You can't make the list. There is no list. Because each of you are different, very unique. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit. Where? In your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love. There it is again. Spirit of Christ who's already come to us. He's already given you everything you need. And when you believe it, you will experience the power of Christ coming through you. There are days you don't feel it. Trust me. There are days you're not going to. But it's there. It's real. I pray that you being rooted and established in love. This is the root. I beg you, get rooted. Get rooted in the love of Christ. Discover his love. Eat from the scriptures. Read through. Study. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you what certain verses mean. Go back to the original languages. I've given you links for all that already so you can find out, well, what does that word actually mean? Your jaw is going to hit the floor when you do some research. But I can't tell you to do it. I'm encouraging you to do it. And then only you can do it when the Holy Spirit creates the hunger from within. I hope you respond to it. It's so easy to get distracted these days. Rely on God's power. Rely on God's resources. Rely on God's way. Focus on who Christ is in you. This is what it means to fix your eyes on Jesus. Get your eyes off all the other stuff that's hindering and weighing you down. 
It's time to let the word of God encourage you. I was, I don't know, I, I was just surprised going through that Thessalonians. It's like, <gasps> yeah, timing must have been perfect. It might be just what I need at that moment. What is it you need? Do you need the encouragement of a person? Do you need encouragement from the scriptures? Do you just need to be alone with your Heavenly Father for a little bit? And let Him love you. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is a fantastically taken out of context verse. Many, many people take this verse out of context. What they do, they say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things. Nothing can stop me. Everything's possible. If I can conceive it, then I can, I can, it can be done. And all this, all this positive thinking, the negative side of positive thinking. There's very positive sides to positive thinking. There's value to power of words and negativity and all that. We've talked about that many times. But this is to be read carefully. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If Christ gave you the idea to do it, if he's the author of it, it will succeed. It will happen. Some of you are hoping and praying for certain results of certain things going on in your lives. Lord, please let this end result happen. May I please pass this test? You know, please sell my house. These, these are big things. If the Holy Spirit puts you on the journey, then rest. Don't be anxious for all that stuff. It's easy to get anxious because that's one of our defaults, which is really fear. Who do you trust? Who's your daddy? <laughs> Colossians. The most important verse in the New Testament to me. This was my wake-up call 16, 17 years ago. This is the verse God used to awaken me from religious lifestyle to a grace lifestyle. Listen carefully. This mystery has been kept in the dark for a long time. But now it's out in the open. God wanted everyone, not just Jews, to know this rich and glorious secret inside and out, regardless of their background, regardless of their religious standing. Ouch. The mystery, in a nutshell, is just this. Christ is in you. So therefore, you can look forward to sharing in God's glory. Now the translation says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is huge. I thought God was outside of me. And in my good and wonderful behavior of praying, reading my Bible, tithing, going to church, all that stuff brought me closer to him. As in, he was distant and I had, there was a gap. The day I realized there was no gap... I've been unlearning so much of what I grew up learning. And the unlearning is just as hard as the learning. Sometimes much harder. Because we're so locked in our understanding. Well, this is who God is. I have a theology textbook to prove it. I've got a whole Bible school that tells me this is what I'm believing. And yet, that little cubby hole is so small. It's time to get stretched. It's time to think if God's love is bigger and wider than we can imagine. How much can you imagine? How big could his love be? Just start to think, who could God actually love? Think of those people first. Who could God not love? Okay? 
Get those images in your head for a moment. Who could God not love? Is there a category of people that we would say, yep, he doesn't love them? Okay. Hold that thought. Put that image in your head. Can you imagine God loving them? If the answer is slightly yes, you've just expanded your understanding of what you think his love is, and his love is far bigger than even your little concept of what you think. It's bigger, it's wider, it's deeper, higher than you can possibly comprehend. We have barely scratched the surface of God's acceptance and love in this world. Hear me carefully, because it's possible to have misunderstood what I've said. When I say behavior does not change or affect God's picture of who we are in Him, that our behavior does not affect our right standing with Him, because we've been made right, you can easily hear this idea that behavior doesn't matter then. Let me tell you, that's not true. There couldn't be anything farther from the truth. Why do you think Paul talks about behaviors through many of his books? He's speaking to the new church. The early church has just started. The book of Acts is exploding. It's going crazy. Think for a minute. Back when Moses came off the mountain and they were worshiping these, this golden calf, anybody remember how many people were killed that day? Approximately? 3,000. Hmm. Now go to the book of Acts. The Spirit of God comes on. How many were saved that day? 3,000. What? His love's bigger. It's better. And then, they're just trying to figure this thing out. Remember, they're under heavy, heavy rules. They're under the Jewish law of tons and tons of rules. They not only have the Torah rules, but they have their own rules. Extra rules to try and attain. So now you have these new believers discovering Jesus, having to unlearn that system which was still in place, but it was going to come to an end in 70 AD completely. Does behavior matter? You bet. Paul's talking about, this is not what grace looks like. Stop these immoral behaviors. It doesn't reflect the real you in you. It does matter. And here's where it hurts. Has God forgiven you? Yes. So whenever you sin, you're already forgiven. Woohoo! Gives me license to sin. And Paul says, are you kidding me? No way. If you understand grace, you're not going to want to sin because true grace denies ungodliness. You can't use it as an excuse. That's immature. You're broadcasting your immaturity for all to see. You should be embarrassed. Okay? Behavior matters. Start acting like who you are, but most people don't know who they are. They're acting exactly the way they believe about themselves and who they think God is. Everybody does. And if you have a hiccup moment and you forget who you are, that's where grace comes in. He covers, carries you, loves on you. And hopefully you're in a community of people that will accept you even when you really screw up. You'll still be held accountable. Here's what punishes you. God doesn't punish you for that. Listen, it is sin that punishes you. There are consequences to our decisions. There will be lifelong hurts that can't be fixed in this life. There are some irreparable things, behaviors. You crash into a pole and you kill the person in the car with you. That can't be changed. There's a consequence to things. There's some relationships that can never be restored in this life. Live carefully. Be wise. Consequences 
will happen. Sin will punish. But our focus is not on the sin. The focus is on Christ living in us. Because when your eyes are on him, guess what? You don't have to worry about the list of what not to do anymore because his spirit will tell you what to do. There's a church in the States, uh, I have a flyer of their, their, uh, the rules for this church. And I think there were 198 rules if you want to be part of that church. They describe what women should wear, what men should wear, where they can go, what they can't do, what translation the Bible is supposed to read. These are the rules of the church. That church. Christ does not put that on you. He's given you freedom. He says, you're free. Don't go under that old system anymore. Learn to live in response and dependence to Jesus Christ in any given moment. That's where we're to live from. Okay, that brings us to a big, big point. So maybe the problem isn't our behavior so much as it is our listening. Maybe we don't know how to hear his voice. Maybe we don't know how to sense his spirit that is already in us. Maybe we can't feel it. Maybe we don't know how. Yep, my job is to build and equip you to do the work God called you to do, to teach you the joy of the new covenant, to know your identity. This is a church you will know and come to know your identity in Christ. So you walk in freedom. We don't send you out with a to-do list. We send you out with a get-to list. Here's what you get to do. Love others. In whatever context he's created for you. (laughs) Encourage one another. I'm going to end with a... Am I it there? Yes. We're going to take over... Next week we're going to finish this up, but I want to show you a video today because it's fun. (laughs) One or two of you have seen it already. If we're going to be encouraged or encouraged to encourage one another, there's something else that has to happen in us. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. If we take the encouragement as a rule, a legalistic rule, then we're going to go out and we'll make sure we check off our two days. Yes, today I encouraged somebody. Today I prayed okay, I don't know, for 22 minutes. So I should have been 30. Darn. Okay. Tomorrow I'll tag on an extra eight minutes of prayer. You're like, That's legalism. Don't do that. The wisdom and humility that comes from Christ, knowing who you are, and when you know who you are, guess what's going to happen? You're going to end up having love for other believers, and then you're going to love the whole world. And when you start to love the whole world, and other people, even if they aren't believers, there's a natural humility that will come. There's a wisdom there. And I think our Western world needs a bit of a dose or a pill for something to help fix this problem. So if we could have the sound on, Simon, or sorry, uh, Kevin, and the lights out for this video. Two illnesses that have reached epidemic proportion today are pridefulitis and opinionation. And many have lost hope. Symptoms include hearing loss, anger, the urge to debate, and delusions of not needing directions. I see pridefulitis every day in my practice. It destroys friendships, marriages, and careers. Sufferers can find it impossible for any advice or helpful input. But now there's hope. Introducing Humilify. After just a few days on Humilify, I was actually able to hear my spouse again. Humilify saved my marriage. 
I suffered from full-blown, nag-resistant frightfulitis. Humilify completely cured my hearing and my vision. Humilify gave me hope. Humilify has also been shown to be effective against other diseases, like I'm the victimitis, get off my caseus, and I know bestia. Exercise caution. Side effects include sincere apologies, attentive listening, and the realization that other people are intelligent. Make the decision that will change your life. Try Humilify today. Humilify. Isn't it time you swallowed your pride? Yep, 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 yep. And I got to tell you this. You can't tell people to be humble. I used to preach sermons on humility. The only way humility can become a fruit of your life is by stopping and recognizing your source for living. Who is your life? You are not an independent life. Your real life is the life of Jesus Christ. You're one with him. Discover what that means. And then humility will come out. Authentic love for others will come out. And it's going to look good. It's going to look good on you. Have you ever seen people in the mall with outfits that are... Yeesh? Or at the airport's even worse. You know? These outfits that look horrific. They, they don't match. I get my wife to put my shirts in stuff together. I remember I was on a trip and I took pictures of matching outfits so I knew what to do when I got <laughs> to my trip. Great idea, guys. But listen to this. The outfits, if it's a good outfit, it looks good on you. But when it's an outfit not designed for you, it doesn't look good on you. Humility, love, peace, patience, kindness, that's an outfit that looks great on you. What are you wearing? What do you like to wear? Will you please bow your heads and word of prayer with me? Heavenly Father, thank you that your scriptures, the words you've given us for this time of our life, are there to encourage us, to point us to Christ at all times. Not to scare us, but to point to life, true life. I pray today each person here has been encouraged somehow. Father, as we go off in this week, please Open our ears to hear you calling to us and teach us how to respond, whether it's a two-minute chat with you, whether it's reading something, whether it's loving another person, whatever it is. Help us to hear it's you. Confirm it so we can start to practice living out of your presence in us. Thank you, Jesus.